Welcome to Masterminds and Maintenance, a podcast with those with new ideas of maintenance. I'm your host, Ryan. I'm the CEO and founder of Upkeep. Each week, I'll be meeting with a guest who's had an idea for how to shake things up in the maintenance and reliability industry. Sometimes the idea failed, sometimes it made their business more successful, and other times their idea revolutionized an entire industry. Today, I'm super excited. We've got Doug Plucknett on the show. Doug is the founder of Reliability Solutions and author of the book, Reliability-Centered Maintenance Using RCM Blitz. As well as clean, green, and reliable, he's provided reliability training and services to numerous companies around the world, including Fortune 500 companies, Whirlwind, Whirlpool, Honda, Energizer, Coors Brewing, Cargo, and so much more. Doug has made several key contributions towards standardizing reliability measures for manufacturing and reliability training programs worldwide. Welcome to the show, Doug. I'm super excited to have you as a guest on today's podcast. <laughs> well, thanks, Brian. It's great to be here, and I'm honored to be uh, part of your podcast. Well, absolutely. Um, you know, the way that I love to kick things off, could you start by just sharing a little bit more about your background and how you got started in the reliability industry, this interesting little niche that we've got? All right. So this goes back uh, quite a ways. I uh, had been going to a college called SUNY Geneseo and didn't quite do too well there. So they sent me a packet and uh, I worked a, a summer job at Eastman Kodak Company with, uh, it's a summer employee, you can pretty much work anywhere there. And I got, ended up with some pipe fitters uh, that were building a new building. I thought, well, this is really an interesting trade. And these guys taught me over the summer how to solder, how to braze, and was working with them on installing stuff. And they said, well, this, this guy, you know, he's all right. He's, he's pretty bright. He gets it, comes to work on time every day understands what plum is and what square is and and I learned a lot that summer and they said hey you want to think about getting into our apprentice program well it's interesting because my dad had worked at Kodak and he'd gone through the apprenticeship there and so I started inquiring about that and when my summer was over I uh, got in contact with some people and said you know what are they doing these tests because you had to take a test to get into the program so I took that test and then the following February I was hired so I worked as a, an apprentice there first with the pipe fitters and then as a journeyman and then a lead person and then worked in supervision for a short time and realized that was not going to be the career niche I thought it was going to be. So I went back to uh, Rochester Institute of Technology, uh, RIT, uh, mechanical engineering first, and then Kodak had started a reliability program. I got asked to be on that team. I had been doing some projects and had some success with statistical process control and uh, some quality projects and I got involved with that team and then worked with RIT to develop the reliability engineering program along with a couple of uh, colleagues including one of my bosses a guy by the name of Jerry Haggerty and going through that program at RIT and meeting and uh, learning uh, reliability and talking with professors and developing those relationships that's when I first learned about RCM everything that I had learned and then Kodak sent me to a couple different training programs nothing was really uh, centered around RCM for manufacturing, right? It was all about more safety performance, design for safety and, and reliability. And I really looked at it and thought, there's a real niche for this in manufacturing. It makes sense to understand failure modes. And I saw that even as a company, by that time we had dropped our apprentice programs and the new people we were hiring were really just component replacers. They weren't thinking about why things failed. And so I got to understand the power of understanding failure modes and how failure modes impact reliability. 
and then looked at how can I make this work for manufacturing? And that's really uh, how RCM Blitz started. I created it uh, while I was at Kodak. Actually went uh, because my boss was a little nervous about, because I had been to some other courses. Well, gee, we don't want to steal anybody else's information. So they sent me to the corporate attorneys and we reviewed uh, the Nolan and Heap document and where I got all my information from. And it was actually that corporate attorney that whispered in my ear, uh, hey, you know, you're still paid as an hourly employee. Unless the company compensates you for this, this is really your idea. So if you wanted to go get trademark on it and copyright on it, I'll show you how to fill out the paperwork, right? And uh, so that's really how I got started. I went from there and spoke it to with a, another colleague at SMRP and got some calls from those companies, which included Whirlpool and National Steel. And uh, th those were my first customers. I took a, a risk. Uh, Kodak was downsizing at the time, and I knew that at some point in time, regardless of who you were, because we were already tapping good people on the shoulder at that point in time, that I might be looking for a job. So, what an amazing journey, Doug, from from working as a pipe fitter, working your way up up the ranks, getting into reliability, and then it sounds like taking an unfortunate situation where Kodak was was downsizing and starting your own business. That's that's such an amazing journey. Yeah. Um, so, so Doug, you know, it sounds like 1999, roughly about 20, 21 years ago, you started RCM Blitz. Tell us what is RCM Blitz? How does it differ from traditional RCM, uh, reliability-centered maintenance yeah, um, methodologies? Um, I think really what allowed me to get a niche in the market is because I did design this for manufacturing. I talked about, you know, when I first started taking courses in RCM, anybody that was teaching was saying, oh, no, you have to do RCM on everything at your plant, right? And I would look at that and say, my goodness, you know, at the plant that I worked at, we had 400,000 assets, right? It would take you years to get that done. And I would venture to say that you probably would not get a return on investment on all of that work, right? So I tried to focus on how, where should I do RCM that I'm going to get a return on investment? And that's really... That addition alone is what turned on the lights to lots of uh, managers that are in operations and in maintenance because they have to be able to show, you know, if we provide training for people, we want to get something back for it, right? So I started looking at, uh, I was lucky enough to work with Bob Hansen and our reliability group at Kodak, and Bob wrote the book on OEE and TEEP and said, gee, OEE is the way to do this. Let's measure OEE on critical assets. And those assets that are struggling with operational losses, speed losses, and quality losses are great candidates for RCM. So any critical asset that's suffering was where we're going to do RCM. And when we did that, we were immediately starting to see results. I mean, you could do an RCM blitz in one week, get it implemented over the next, you know, four to six weeks, and then start seeing results after that. And that just turned managers right on because they got something now that they can show we trained people we invested money we then did this analysis and we spent time on that we spent time implementing it and we got a return on investment we took a, a machine that had an oee of 46 and took it up to 83. that's a huge difference right and we showed one project after another and after another and that's basically the presentation that i did at the first smrp that that, that got me started that got companies like whirlpool and national steel interested 
That's amazing. So it sounds like RCM Blitz is really going into an organization, looking at the, the, the most critical assets and running RCM on those versus trying to do the entire plant all in one go and might take years and years and years. Um, I'm, I'm curious, Doug, as you look back at some of the most successful projects, what made them so successful? What allowed you to take uh, a, a line or a piece of equipment and t turn it from 43% OE to, to 80%? Uh, the great part about this process, number one, is uh, I always tell people this is really simple. You know, it's a seven-step RCM process. It's traditional RCM. Now, you'll, you'll read things of mine that says it's five steps, That's, and I'll explain that probably later on in this presentation. Number one, understanding your critical assets. Number two, taking the time to do the measures, and that's really what, what turned Whirlpool on right away, and I was lucky with that, and that my first customer got into doing the measures, they got into doing their OEE, and then they learned, gee, OEE is actually a reliability tool. If you do it right, if you can show where your losses are, then that turns people on to, gee, there's some simple things we can do to improve reliability here that really even have nothing to do with maintenance, right? What's our supply chain look like, and how do we order and stock those things to make sure that we, don't, we have got enough of the screws that, to put that little motor or pump in? Because we run out of those from time to time and the line shuts down for 10 or 15 minutes while we're out hunting those up. How do we make all that stuff work together? So in doing that, when you have those successes, and this is one of the things that I really love, you know, going to a company new, like I'm, I'm doing a new one here in Rochester, which is fun for me because it's the, actually the first company that's had me in from Rochester, believe it or not. Mm -hmm. And I go in and I tell those maintenance and operations folks, I said, you know how you sit around the break room and you, you complain, you know, gee, if they only listened to us, we could make things better here. This is your chance to do that, right? We're going to talk about your machine and you're the ones that know best how this thing operates and then what are the things that cause it to fail. And we're going to talk about what do we need to do to either eliminate those failures or somehow mitigate them so that the downtime is less, like you and I talked about starting out, right? We can eliminate that downtime we can put more product out the door mm -hmm. we put more product out the door for the same cost or less we can reduce the unit cost of product right when we reduce the unit cost of product we become more competitive and that puts pressure on our cost on our competitors right and so when you relate that to that business people to the to the people that are on the ground floor and show them you have the power to change this Right, but you got to stand behind it. When we get done with this, we got to make sure it gets implemented, that the task actually gets done. Until then, all we've done is sit around the conference room and talk about this, right? And that accomplishes nothing. So it's you're the folks that understand it, and you're the folks that actually have to do this. And in the end, you'll find out you're the ones that actually get credit for it as well. Where do you often see the lowest hanging fruit when you first step into an organization and say, we want to run RCM blitz on your equipment? Where's the most common low hanging fruit? Probably the RCM that I've done the most is compressed air. It doesn't even matter where the company is. The further south you go, the more they abuse their compressed air systems because it, they don't have to worry about it freezing up, right? They get enough warm weather that even with equipment outside, their air is wet and it's dirty and it's impacting all their instruments, right? And they're, start, they're seeing all kinds of failures of solenoid valves sticking and they're going, oh yeah, we have solenoids fail. You know, that's once every two, three weeks. And I look at them and I go, what? 
I said, you're sitting there with solenoid failure for years, right? It's just a little shuttle that goes back and forth. I said, your, your air must be filthy. And, they, and they'll, they'll giggle. They go, come over here and look at this. And they'll, they'll open a, a tri-valve. And the first thing that comes out is water instead of air. So that's really, in most places, when we talk about the low-hanging fruit, let's start there. And I've, in fact, gotten to the point where I say, I really should just sell an RCM on, on compressed air systems because they're pretty much all the same. Right. All right. Tell well, company, here, here's here's a, a free win for you. Go ahead and take it. <laughs> all right. So that's like it sounds like easiest, lowest hanging fruit, compressed air. Do you have like a two and a number three as well? Sure. Doug? Probably a number two um, would be their their most critical uh, manufacturing asset. Yeah. Right. So whatever product they're making, they generally uh, most companies are fighting fires with that machine or, or, and uh, they will have, again, a component replacement type of culture where they don't think about why things fail. In terms of number three and low hanging fruit, it's, it wouldn't be an RCM. It would be inventory. Mm. Companies uh, almost have the reverse of what they need in terms of inventory because they've gotten hung up on, on this term called turns. And in reality, what they need is what's critical. Yeah. Right? And risk is involved in that. That's one of the places, the few places that I consider risk is in spare parts. Uh, in terms of doing maintenance, I, I think risk doesn't have much to play there and have gotten in nice discussions with lots of people at conferences about that because that's been a big word recently. Yeah, it would be uh, what they carry for inventory and understanding obsolescence. Right. They want to carry, I, I go into stock rooms and I see chains and sprockets and belts and shivs and I go, what do you have that stuff for? You can get that, you know, in, in any supplier within an, an hour from here, right? But, but you don't have the IO card for your critical asset here, right? Why don't you have that? Well, because it doesn't turn into inventory. And when's the last time you look to try to buy it? And they look at you I said, you might want to look to see if you can even buy one anymore. And they'll come back to me the next day and they go, you were right. We can't get one. I said, so now where are you going to get it? Right. Start looking on eBay first. But when you bid on it, don't be surprised that the price goes up. Yeah. Right. That's, uh, that's really good feedback here, Doug. So to all of our listeners, you know, compressed air, number one. Number two is your most critical asset. Number three is inventory. Really good good places to start. Um, so, so Doug, we talked about RCM Blitz. Could you walk us through that five-step process that you, you've got for RCM Blitz? Okay. In reality, we, we look at RCM in terms of uh, is your RCM process a traditional RCM process, which is seven steps. RCM Blitz is that. When I teach it, I teach a five-step process, the upstep, upfront tasks that need to be done. All right. So those upfront tasks include uh, criticality analysis, so understanding where your critical assets are, uh, reliability measures, so measuring OEE of those critical assets, and then uh, several steps to select that critical asset, uh, gathering information from the asset that you select, training your people. Then we get into the second step would be understanding functions and functional failures. Step number three would get into uh, dealing with probability and consequence and understanding the relationship of probability and consequence to that particular critical asset. Step number four is 
FAMIC of failure modes and effect criticality analysis, going through that process in, in the RCM. And then step number five are the follow-up tasks. So that's implementing, tracking results. So continuing to measure and being able to show that return on investment. And then getting into selecting your next asset. Yeah. So those yeah. are really the five steps that I teach in training, but realistically, it's a seven-step process. In seven days, you said yes. you do this in a week. <laughs> yes, actually five days. Five days. Yeah, I start out with, we do uh, two to three hours of training, Patisha team, basically the RCM process, and then the lingo that goes along with RCM, functions, mm. functional failures, failure modes, failure effects, what those things mean. And then we jump right into to doing the RCM. Now, when I say we do that in five days, there'll be some time beforehand to select that asset, obviously, right? But when, when I come in, I want to hit the ground running. We know what we're going to be working on. They've sent me information. We've got a uh, hierarchy loaded into the database and we're ready to go. I love it. You know, I, I love this idea. It sounds like it's a crawl, walk, run, starting with the most important critical assets. Um, I'm curious, Doug, what, you know, this is me just playing devil's advocate here, but what are some of the setbacks of running the, an RCM blitz program versus an RCM program? Why do you feel like a lot of companies want to standardize the entire company to a certain RCM standard before, you know, let's call it taking the crawl, walk, run approach? Well, <laughs> those that want to do that, will find themselves at some point in a position where somebody a level or two up is going to say, where is my money going? <laughs> right. I'm only going to dump so much money into this hole before I, at some point and say, what am I getting for it? Right. The advantage of, of the crawl, <laughs> crawl, walk, run is you're going to be able to see that money. Uh, the disadvantage of that is sometimes it does, it goes at a pace that, that people just are like, whoa, 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 hang on, whoa. This gets to a, a point where um, I've had customers that have gotten so excited because they, we get through their first one that they say, okay, can you come back next week? And I'll tell them, well, why don't you implement what we just did? And I know that's going to take you a month and a month from now, we can talk about whether I've got a window open to do that. All right. And they'll look at me and they're like, uh, this actually happened with Cargill. They said, you're telling us you don't want any money. <laughs> I said, no, that's not what I said. I said, I want you to be successful. Yeah. But if we offered you to come back next week, you'd say no. And I said, yeah, absolutely. You're not ready. When you show me you've got 80% of that implemented, I'm ready to come back. Right. Until then, you haven't showed me that you're willing to do your part. Right. This is this is a partnership. I'm teaching your people. I want you to get something out of it. Right. And that was kind of shocking to them. But then they also realized, holy smokes, there's actually consultants out there that would say no, that would say, do what you have to do first before I come back. Right? And that, that kind of to them, they went, wow, this guy, he's all right. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's not just about charging me an arm and a leg. And that's that's what I, I love about you, Doug. It sounds like you're really looking out for companies' best interests. Now, I've got to ask the question as well. I'm sure you've done so many of these different RCM implementations. Some, it sounds like, have done tremendously well for the companies. Um, where do people most commonly struggle 
with RCM implementations? Yeah, they they try to take on too much at once, right? And and that's why I say I uh, I struggle with okay, I don't want to come back until you got 80% implemented. They'll look at that implementation and they'll see, let's see, we did a, we talked about failure modes on, on 85 to 100 components and we came up with, you know, a couple hundred failure modes and 300 different tasks. Holy smokes, we're never going to get all that done. And that's one of the first things that I did with my new database is say, how can I export this and get it into Excel, Excel format that they can sort this and realize that, you know, out of those 300 tasks, gee, here's a, a chunk of the first 25 of the exact same task written over again, because we're talking about machine manufacturing or filling jugs of something. Six, six motors, six gearboxes, six VFDs, right? They're gonna have pretty close to the same task if we're talking about the same size motor and the same failure rate and so on, right? It's not that we just copy paste everything, but anything that's similar, so we sort by number one, let's look at what's our most critical in terms of failure modes. We look at probability and consequence and then that determines a criticality. So we have criticality for the tasks and we look at, let's do the priority ones first and we'll sort those and which ones are identical, which ones are PMs, which ones are on condition tasks, which ones are failure findings. And I tell them it's not that difficult once you learn how to sort and go through that. And that's sometimes I'll add a day on to what we're doing and saying, you know, we can do this through home, through a uh, teleconference like we're doing now when I show them how to sort that worksheet and here's how I would implement it. And I give them tips on that. Uh, doing anything the first time often seems like it's, you know, overwhelming or cumbersome. And when somebody that's got experience with you shows you, no, 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 here's how you sort this to go. In reality, you've got a chunk of PMs, a chunk of unconditioned tasks, a chunk of failure finding tasks, and a chunk of redesigns. Those first three, and let's add operator care to that, so that first four are all things that can go into your CMMS system. Very simple, right? You just call them something different. So let's decide on what we're gonna call them, who's gonna do them, what the integral is. Now you've got a relationship, because I go back through and I use their hierarchy. Here's where it came from, here's the parent, here's the child, those tasks are tied to this child, right? And I show them how that matches up and they go, oh, wow, now we know why you wanted that download, right? Well, that's pretty neat. Now, what you've got left here are these redesigns. Now, which ones are ones that you can do simply out of a maintenance or operations budget and which ones are gonna require a management of change and some small capital, right? And here's how you sort those and who you assign them to, right? Now assign the people, put due dates on them, and let's get going. Now you're, now you're ready to start something else. Now, how long is it going to take you to do those four items that I showed you? And they go, oh, crap, we could do that in a week if we put one person on it. There you go. Yeah. And they'll say, why is it taking companies six months to do this? And I said, because most companies never show them how it's done, or they've never had experience themselves at actually doing it. So they can't show up. Right. So it just, it sounds like this, it's a training thing. Once you do it once, you're like, okay, cool. I can do it. But essentially if you've never done it before and you're, you're, you're basically recreating what RCM is and that recreating it can take, like you mentioned, months, years. Yeah. Even. Um, so what I hear from you, Doug is, you know, get started, take, get all the resources, get a consultant even to help you go through that process once. And once you do it once, then 
it's a whole lot easier the second, third, fourth, 10th time around. <laughs> so Doug, you've been in the industry for, for several years now. You've seen so much good. You've also seen uh, some facilities that you know that you could have helped. Uh, I'm curious, you know, as you, as you continue on your, your journey in this space, where do you continue, where do you find yourself continuing to learn from? Where, what resources do you go to? Um, and where do you go for, for new ideas? Yeah, conferences are, are probably where I go and, and get learning from. Um, it's also LinkedIn. I mean, there's been a ton of this conversation about uh, the industrial Internet of Things and smart machines and machine learning. And I've had some the pleasure of working uh, last year on a uh, new smart machine that was being built uh, for a, a very well-known snack food company. And, and doing an RCM analysis on that and talking about how that worked and what we did in the RCM and how those two things would, would work together. Uh, so there's, there's some excitement there. There's also a lot of confusion there, right? So that's uh, probably the only thing down the road that concerns me is I, I think that there's, it, and that was a, a learning uh, for my customer during that week was just because they called the machine smart right that's not going to make sure that the maintenance person makes sure that they do precision alignment when they're working on their precision balancing or using torque wrenches or doing their job correctly right all those failure modes still apply that we've had in the past right and you now have twice as many instruments to detect them right so until you spend the time to teach your people to do the right way. Don't expect things to change too much. But the positive note here too, is that we can do something about that, right? And we can do something about that today, like training sure can. Um, and all this technology that's coming out today. Like these are all very exciting things that people want to learn about as well. So I, I think that's a very, very positive thing, especially with all this new technology coming out. Um, Doug, I, I learned so much from you from this short conversation that we had today. Can you share with all of our listeners different ways that they could connect with you and follow you on your journey? Sure. I am uh, on LinkedIn as, as Doug Plucknet, or if you look up RCM Blitz on LinkedIn, you'll find me there. Uh, my email address is plucknet.doug at gmail.com. Pretty simple. Well, thank you so much, Doug, for joining us. Thank you to all of our listeners for tuning in to today's Masterminds and Maintenance. My name is Ryan Chan. I'm the CEO and founder of Upkeep. You can also connect with me. I'm very active on LinkedIn. Or you can also email me directly at ryan at onupkeep.com. Until next time, thanks so much. Thank you, Ryan. Pleasure. <laughs>